You know, I'm starting to get a little bit excited about the Indianapolis Colts in the upcoming 2022 season. This is what happens in March. It happens in April. We get a little bit upset about the draft at the end of April, but we get over it because we realize after we talk to the players who are drafted, the coaches, uh, Chris Ballard, we hear from all of them and why these guys were drafted. All of a sudden, things look rosy to us. That's a good thing. We've got activity that's going to be going on at the Colts Complex in just 17 days. That would be the two-week period where everybody can get together, they can meet, they can strengthen condition, they can get their physical therapy, all that kind of rehab stuff. Then they've got uh, the draft, and they've got some OTAs and the minicamp. The OTAs are going to be May 24th through May 26th, June 1st through the 3rd, June 13th through the 16th, and then the minicamp from the 7th to the 9th, of, uh, of June, which is going to be great. I can't wait to see who the Colts take at 42 and 43. This is Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. For Friday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, Wisconsin played a great April Fool's joke on everybody, saying that Brad Davison has been granted yet another year of eligibility. And What? That wasn't a joke? Brad Davison can actually come back and play another year of college basketball? I stand corrected. It wasn't an April Fool's joke. No jokes at Butler. Henkel Field House today, the site of something that does not happen very often on that campus. A basketball coach was fired. Men's basketball coach Laval Jordan fired. We'll talk about that too. But let's talk about Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was an MVP in the NFL in 2016. While that seems like a long time ago. He was 30 years old then. He's 36 years old now. He hadn't lost much. If you look at tape from the Falcons season this year, I don't see much difference between Matt Ryan and uh, of this year and Matt Ryan of 2016. What I do see with the Falcons that was different from 2016 is that they were really bereft of weaponry. And in 2016, what the Falcons had was really, really interesting as to how it compares to what the Colts have. Michael Pittman Jr., Mohamed Sanu. I'm not saying they're the same guy. They're not. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and Julio Jones, not the same guy either. But Michael Pittman Jr. is in ascension, and we don't know exactly where his ceiling's at. He's an interesting guy. But the, the similarity, I think, that is really interesting is Devonta Freeman as a running back, along with Tevin Coleman from Indiana University as a running back. They kind of had the two-headed monster. The running backs for the 2016 Falcons combined for 95 catches, uh, 92 catches, 900 yards. All right? 92 catches, 900 yards. Uh, Just over 900 yards. That's a lot. And that is, as you look at this group with Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, right? You say, why don't the Colts throw to these guys more often. They are dynamic out of the backfield as receivers. They have tremendous speed. They're both shifty. They're not like Derrick Henry type guys who are, you know, I'm not going to say plotting because Derrick Henry is really, really fast, but it takes him a second to get up to max speed. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, boom, gun ring, uh, gun fires. They're off to the races. And I think uh, Matt Ryan is going to be able to utilize those two out of the backfield 
in the same way he did with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Now, Jonathan Taylor is more dynamic as a runner than Freeman. So that's a good thing for the Colts. But you look at the receivers. Maybe they get lucky in the draft, and they find the next A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, uh, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, the next one of those who, as a rookie, can really show out. And then you've got something. And that I know that this is a whole lot of ifs. And my dad always said, if the dog hadn't stopped to crap, he would have caught the rabbit. We, we get wrapped up in ifs during the months of March and April. But if Kylan Granson can be legit, Kylan Granson could be the kind of tight end that Matt Ryan has made a lot of money for over the years. You look at what he's done with tight ends. Even Jacob Tammy back in the day, but way back in the day. How about Tony Gonzalez? Tony Gonzalez was pretty good for the Falcons from 2009 through 2013. 409 catches, 35 touchdowns. That's the kind of work that Matt Ryan did with Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, This past year, how about Kyle Pitts? Pro Bowl kid as a rookie. 68 catches, 1,026 yards, only one touchdown, which is kind of odd. Hayden Hurst, the year before that, 56 catches, 571 yards, six touchdowns. Austin Hooper, the two years prior to that, he combined in those two years for 146 catches, 1,447 yards, and 10 touchdowns. That is what Matt Ryan does with tight ends. Kylan Granson, Mo Cox could make a ton of money this year catching the football from Matt Ryan. This team isn't quite as far away from being really, really productive offensively And we talked talked about it this morning. You look at what they did this past year with Carson Wentz. The flawed, not horrible. Nobody's saying he's horrible. Flawed, though, Carson Wentz. And you upgrade slightly at that position, you got something. You you had two overtime losses where if you win those games, all of a sudden you're 11-6 instead of 9-8. That's a big deal for the Indianapolis Colts, for Matt Ryan, that was a big pickup, Matt Ryan. He ain't great. He ain't going to be Aaron Rodgers. We know that. This isn't going to be 2016. Back in 2016, he was absolutely awesome. He, he had a yards per attempt average of 9.3. 9.3. That's Hall of Fame uh, status. Uh, 117.1 passer rating. 79.6 or 78.6 quarterback rating. And he threw for 4,944 yards. This is the kind of quarterback play that, you know what, even Andrew Luck didn't have this kind of quarterback play. The Colts haven't had a quarterback this potentially good in a long, 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 long time. They do have it now. If Matt Ryan can hang on to his faculties at the age of 36 and his right arm, make the decisions necessary quickly enough to not get bludgeoned in the backfield. He has been sacked at least 40 times in each of the last four seasons. That's not good. That's a lot. And last year, I think 12 picks, uh, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks. Carson Wentz, 27-7. and I think that a lot of that had to do, not just with Carson, but with Frank Reich. I think that Matt Ryan has a chance to be really, really good this year with Frank Ryan and the tools that surround him and that line that's going to protect him. Matt Pryor, Can he hold up at left tackle? I hope so. We're going to find out. 
I think there's a lot to be really excited about with the Colts. At Butler, not so much to be excited about. Lavelle Jordan, out after five seasons. He was 85-74 and 74 as a head coach. I hate this. I think coaching. Like, my son loves basketball. If he had gone into college coaching, eesh, that would have, uh, I would have been very excited for him, but I would have been on pins and needles. Like, as a kid, as a parent, watching a kid play basketball, every time the kid shoots, oof, you know, please go in, please go in. Always, right? You're, you're worried. You're worried he's going to get injured. You're worried his shot's going to go away. You're worried a guy's going to get the corner on him as he plays defense. All of these things, I would be worried that he was about to get fired or as an assistant coach, his head coach was about to get lopped. The lopper came for uh, Lavelle Jordan today. Dream job at Butler. He's out after five years. And, And like I said in the open, this doesn't happen very much. You know what? Oh, by the way, hit subscribe, like, and ring the bell. Why don't you do that? Um, Laval, being fired, look, Brandon Miller was kind of an anomaly. Brandon uh, didn't deal with the stresses of being a coach maybe as as well as as he could have. And and as a result, he he had to go get some help. Other than that, you had Barry Collier hired in the late 80s. He went to Nebraska, replaced by Thad Mata. Thad Mata went to Xavier, was replaced by Todd Licklider. Todd Licklider went to Iowa, was replaced by Brad Stevens, who went to the Celtics and was replaced by Brandon Miller, who we've just discussed. He was replaced by Chris Holtman, who went on to Ohio State. Butler is a job you get promoted from, not that you get fired from. Lavelle Jordan is a really, really good leader and a great dude. And we wish him absolutely the best. I hope that the, uh, the walk-away money fills his pockets and puts his family in a position where they never have to worry about, you know, food, lodging, all that stuff ever again. That his daughter gets to go to college wherever she wants and have a great time at it. That they have no financial worries whatsoever. And I hope he gets another job real quick. Just a, a wonderful guy. Always took time. And and I as like him a lot, and I hate to see Butler do what other programs do. You know, I got a comment today from somebody saying, "Look at Iowa State. I Indiana needs to do what Iowa State does with the transfer portal." I'm like, why would Indiana want to be Iowa State, right? Why would Purdue want to be like everybody else in college basketball? I think Laval would have gotten the thing turned around. He's not going to get that chance. Barry Collier made the move today, and he's on the phone right now. They say they're conducting a national search. For me, all they have to do is pick up the phone and call Gainbridge Fieldhouse and say, give me Ronald Norred, please. And if Ronald Norred picks up, off you go, and and you got your guy. There's no point in getting complicated through this process and interviewing a bunch of guys. You just don't have to do that. Uh, you go get Ronald Norred, and you say, thanks, Ronald, uh, we couldn't fa- feel better about this hire. No matter. Also, they're uh, supposed to be talking to the, the head coach at Ohio, which I don't get. There is kind of a path back to Butler in, in that he was on Thad Mata's staff at Ohio State for several years, so there's kind of a tether to Butler, but Butler never hires outside the family. So this would be kind of a 
that would be kind of a surprise. I think the, the leader in the clubhouse for me is Ronald Norred. Other news out of college basketball, Trevion Williams going to go to the NBA. Johnny Davis going to the NBA out of Wisconsin. Like I said, Brad Davison approved for a, another year of eligibility in college basketball. Look, here's the way college basketball is supposed to work. College basketball, kids play for four years. I know you had the COVID exception rule, and that was a bad idea, poorly implemented, poorly thought out, just terrible. But you had it. Now you got a guy who's going to play yet another year of college basketball and take away the opportunity for another to play. And that's too bad. You're going to have guys stuck on the bench. And that is the bad thing about the transfer portal and why you shouldn't go swimming in those waters. You don't fish there. Because what you got is you've got transfers coming in who are going to play over the top of the guys who've been there for two and three years just because you want to win more games. To me, that's not the way you build a program. You build a program from the ground up. You bring kids in as freshmen. You teach them how to be college students and players. They become sophomores, become more productive. As juniors, they're grown men, and they contribute to a winning culture and a winning skill level. That's how you do it. And if you do that with the transfer portal, you're not going to, you're, you're like Iowa State. Two, two years ago, a year ago, whenever it was, Steve Proms last year, like they won two games. Now they go to the NCAA tournament and they're all the rage. Because why? Because they got lucky with a couple of transfers who are now cycling out. And how do you replace them? It's ridiculous. Be, uh, hey, Keith Smart and Dean Garrett were not transfers. They were JUCOs. That's what they were. They were junior college players. Bob Knight, first time, went into the junior college pool, brought them to Bloomington. Keith Smart hit the shot to beat Syracuse. Uh, Jim Beheim, why didn't he call timeout after that shot uh, quicker? One second left on the clock. Ridiculous. I got no problem with that. Kids, some kids need to go to junior colleges And they cycle out. This isn't a matter of Dean Garrett and Keith Smart choosing to transfer. I'm walking away. I'm done with this guy. I'm going over here. This guy invested all that effort in my development. And so I'm going to go over there now. And I'm going to, this coach is going to be able to exploit it. Not that it's about the coaches. But JUCOs, they're there for two years. Then or one, but these guys were there for two years and they came to Indiana, just like you're supposed to. They weren't transfers, they were JUCOs. All right, this weekend, I told you this morning, North Carolina is going to end Mike Krzyzewski's career tomorrow night in the second game. Villanova is going to end Bill Self's season in the first game. It's going to be Nova and North Carolina. Villanova is going to cut down the nets and win the national championship because I got to tell you the truth, Jay Wright's the best coach in the tournament. We will talk to you Monday morning. I can't wait. Or when news breaks, news, where news comes first, bulletins at once on the station, blah, blah, blah. All right, let's go. Have a great weekend.